0: Welcome to Golden Gems with Dave Shaw and Bill Hansen. We review each week the career and personal life of one of the great unforgettable artists of the golden days of radio. So please join with us on a trip down memory lane as we take a look at today's artist. Then go to our website www.goldengems.net where we will also look at more of their career and play some of their most unforgettable great hits which we are unable to share on the podcast. We invite you to join us there also. But for now, sit back and relax as we talk about the life of today's unforgettable artist of the golden days
1: of radio. Well, welcome to Golden Gems. This is Dave Shaw and Bill Hansen. We're featuring today on our podcast Chuck Berry, who was born Charles Edward Anderson Berry in St. Louis on October 16th, 1926. Barry was the youngest child. He grew up in the North St. Louis neighborhood, known as The Villa, an area where many middle-class people lived. His father, Henry William Barry, was a contractor and deacon of a nearby Baptist church. His mother, Martha Bellbanks, was a certified public school principal. Barry's upbringing allowed him to pursue his interest in music from an early age. He gave his first public performance in 1941 while still a student at Sumner High School. He was still a student there in 1944 when he was arrested for armed robbery after robbing three shops in Kansas City, Missouri. And then stealing a car at gunpoint with some friends. Barry's account in his autobiography is that his car broke down and he flagged down a passing car and stole it at gunpoint with a non-functional pistol. He was convicted and sent to the Intermediate Reformatory for Young Men at Algoa near Jefferson City, Missouri, where he formed a singing quartet and did some boxing. The singing group became competent enough that the authorities allowed it to perform outside the detention facility. Barry was released from the reformatory on his 21st birthday in 1947. On October 28, 1948, Barry married Thamita Toddy Suggs, who gave birth to Darlin Ingrid Barry on October 3, 1950. Barry supported his family by taking various jobs in St. Louis, working briefly as a factory worker at two automobile assembly plants and as a janitor in the apartment building where he and his wife lived. Afterwards, he trained as a beautician at the Poro College of Cosmetology, founded by Annie Turnbow Malone. He was doing well enough by 1950 to buy a small three-room brick cottage with a bath on Whittier Street, which is now listed as the Chuck Berry House on the National Register of Historic Places.
0: By the early 1950s, Barry was working with local bands and clubs in St. Louis as an extra source of income. He'd been playing blues since his teens, and he borrowed both guitar riffs and showmanship techniques from the blues musician T-Bone Walker. He also took guitar lessons from his friend Ira Harris, which laid the foundation for his guitar style. By early 1953, Barry was performing with the Johnny Johnson's Trio, starting a long-time collaboration with the pianist. The band played blues and ballads as well as country. Barry wrote, Curiosity provoked me to lay a lot of our country stuff on our predominantly black audience, and some of our black audience began whispering that who is that black hillbilly at the Cosmo? After they laughed at me a few times, they began requesting the hillbilly stuff and enjoyed dancing to it. In 1954, Berry recorded the tracks I Hope Those Words Will Find You Well and Oh Maria with the group Joe Alexander and the Cubans. The song was released as a single on the ballad label. Berry's showmanship, along with a mix of country tunes and R&B tunes, sung in the style of Nat King Cole, set to the music of Muddy Waters brought in a wider audience, particularly affluent white people. At the end of June 1956, his song, Roll Over Beethoven, reached number 29 on the Billboard's Top 100 chart, and Barry toured as one of the top acts of 56. He and Carl Perkins became friends. Perkins said that, I knew when I first heard Chuck that he'd been affected by country music. I respected his writings, His records were very, very great. In late 1957, Barry took part in Alan Freed's Biggest Show of Stars for 1957, touring the United States with the Everly Brothers, Buddy Holly, and others. He was a guest on ABC's Guy Mitchell Show, singing his hit song Rock and Roll Music, from 1957 to 1959, with Barry scoring over a dozen chart singles, during that period including the us top 10 hits school days rock and roll music sweet little 16 and johnny be good he appeared in two early rock and roll movies rock 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 in 1956 in which he sang you can't catch me and go johnny go 1959 in which he had a speaking role as himself and performed johnny be good Memphis, Tennessee, and Little Queenie. His performance of Sweet Little Sixteen at the Newport Jazz Festival in 1958 was captured in the motion picture Jazz on a Summer's
1: Day. By the end of the 1950s, Berry was a high-profile established star with several hit records and film appearances and a lucrative touring career. He had opened a racially integrated St. Louis nightclub, Berry's Club Bandstand, and invested in real estate, but in December 1959, he was arrested under the Mann Act after allegations that he had sex with a 14-year-old Apache waitress, Janice Escalante, whom he had transported across state lines to work as a hat-check girl at his club. After a two-week trial in the March of 1960, he was convicted. Fine $5,000, and sentenced to five years in prison. He appealed the decision, arguing that the judge's comments and attitude were racist and prejudiced the jury against him. The appeal was upheld, and a second trial was heard in May and June of 1961, resulting in another conviction and a three-year prison sentence. After another appeal failed, Berry served one and a half years in prison from February 1962 to October 1963. He had continued recording and performing during the trials, but his output had slowed as his popularity declined. His final single released before he was imprisoned was Come On. When Barry was released from prison in 1963, his return to recording and performing was made easier because British invasion bands Notably, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones had sustained interest in his music by releasing cover versions of his songs, and other bands had reworked some of them, such as the Beach Boys' 1963 hit, Surfin' USA, which used the melody of Barry's Sweet Little Sixteen. In 1964 and 65, Barry released eight singles, including three that were commercially successful, Reaching the top twenty of the Billboard one hundred. No particular place to go, a humorous reworking of school days, concerning the introduction of seat belts in cars, you can never tell on the rocking Nadine. Between nineteen sixty six and nineteen sixty nine, Barry released five albums for Mercury Records, including a second live album and first recorded entirely on stage, live at Fillmore Auditorium. For the live album, he was backed by the Steve Miller Band.
0: Barry helped give life to a subculture. Even My dingaling, a a 4th wee-wee joke that used to mortify true believers at college concerts, permitted a lot of 12-year-olds new insight into the moribund concept of dirty when it hit the airwaves. Barry returned to chess from 1970 to 1973, a live recording of Reelin' and Rockin' was his last top 40 hit in both the U.S. and the U.K. Both singles were included on the part-live part-studio album The London Chuck Berry Sessions. Other albums of London Sessions were recorded by Chess's mainstay artists Buddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf. Berry's second tenure with Chess ended with the 1975 album Chuck Berry, after which he did not pick a studio recording until Rocket for ATCO Records in 1979, which would be his last studio album for 38 years. In the 1970s, Berry toured on the strength of his earlier successes. He was on the road for many years carrying only his Gibson guitar, confident that he could hire a band that already knew his music no matter where he went. AllMusic said that in this period, his live performances became increasingly erratic, working with terrible backup bands and turning in sloppy, out-of-tune performances, which tarnished his reputation with younger fans and old-timers alike. In March 1972, he was filmed at the BBC Television Theatre in Shepherd's Bush for a Chuck Berry in concert part of a 60-date tour backed by the band Rockin' Horse. Among the many band leaders performing a backup role with Barry in the 70s were Bruce Springsteen and Steve Miller, when each was just starting his career. Springsteen related in a documentary film, Hail, Hail Rockin' Roll, that Barry did not give the band a set list and expected the musicians to follow his lead after each guitar intro. Barry did not speak to the band after the show. Nevertheless, Springsteen backed Barry again when he appeared in concert for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1955. At the request of Jimmy Carter, Barry performed at the White House on June 1, 1979.
1: Barry's touring style traveling the oldie circuit in the 1970s, often being paid in cash by local promoters, added ammunition to the Internal Revenue Services accusations that Barry had evaded paying income taxes. Facing criminal sanction for the third time, Barry pleaded guilty to evading nearly one hundred ten thousand in federal income tax owed on his nineteen seventy three earnings. Newspaper reports in nineteen seventy nine put his nineteen seventy three joint income with his wife at $374,982, he was sentenced to four months in prison and 1,000 hours of community service, performing benefit concerts in 1979. Barry continued to play 70 to one nighters per year in the 1980s, still traveling solo and requiring the local band to back him at each stop. In 1986, Taylor Hackford made a documentary film, Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll, of a celebration concert for Barry's 60th birthday, organized by Keith Richards, Eric Clapton, Edda James, Julian Lennon, Robert Cray, and Linda Ronstad, among others, and they appeared with Barry on stage and in the film. In the late 1980s, Barry bought The Southern Air, a restaurant in Wentzville, Missouri, In November 2000, Barry faced legal issues when he was sued by his former pianist, Johnny Johnson, who claimed that he had co-written over 50 songs, including No Particular Place to Go, Sweet Little 16, and Roll Over Beethoven that credit Barry alone. The case was dismissed when the judge ruled that too much time had passed since the songs were written. Barry lived in Ladue, Missouri, approximately 10 miles, 16 kilometers west of St. Louis. He also had a home at Berry Park near Wentzville, Missouri, where he lived part-time since the 1950s and was the home in which he died. This home with a guitar-shaped swimming pool is seen in scenes near the end of the film Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll. He regularly performed one Wednesday each month at Blueberry Hill, a restaurant and bar located in the Del Mar Loop neighborhood of St. Louis from 1966 to 2014. Barry announced on his 90th birthday that his first new studio album since Rocket in 1979, entitled Chuck, would be released in 2017. His first new record in 38 years, it includes his children, Charles Barry Jr. and Ingrid, on guitar and harmonica with songs covering the spectrum from hard-driving rockers to soulful thought-provoking time capsules of a life's work and dedicated to his beloved wife of 68 years, Toddy.
0: On March 18th, 2017, Barry was found unresponsive at his home near Wentzville, Missouri. Emergency workers called to the scene were unable to revive him and he was pronounced dead by his personal physician. TMZ posted an audio recording on its website in which a 911 operator can be heard responding to a reported cardiac arrest at Barry's home. Barry's funeral was held on April 9, 2017 at the pageant in Barry's hometown of St. Louis. He was remembered with a public viewing by family, friends, and fans in the pageant a music club where he often performed. He was viewed with his cherry red Gibson ES335 guitar bolted to the inside of the coffin, and with flower arrangements that included one sent by the Rolling Stones in the shape of a guitar. Afterwards, a private service was held in the club celebrating Barry's life and musical career, with the Barry family inviting 300 members of the public into the service. Gene Simmons of Kiss gave an impromptu, unadvertised eulogy at the service, while Little Richard was scheduled to lead the funeral procession, but was unable to attend due to illness. The night before, many St. Louis area bars held a mass toast at 10 p.m. in Barry's honor. One of Barry's attorneys estimated that his estate was worth $50 million, including $17 million in music rights. Barry's music publishing accounted for 13 million of the estate's value. The Barry estate owned roughly half of his songwriting credits, mostly from his later career, while BMG Rights Management controlled the other half. Most of Barry's recordings are currently owned by the Universal Music Group. In September 2017, Dualtone, the label which released Barry's final album, Chuck agreed to publish all of his compositions in the United States. Berry is interred in a mausoleum in Bellarive Gardens Cemetery in St. Louis. While no individual can be said to have invented rock and roll, Chuck Berry comes the closest of any single figure to being the one who put all the essential pieces together. It was his particular genius to graft country and western guitar licks onto rhythm and blues chassis for his very first single, Maybelline.
1: A pioneer of rock and roll, Barry was a significant influence on the development of both the music and the attitude associated with the rock music lifestyle. With songs such as Maybelline, 1955, Rollover Beethoven, 1956, Rock and Roll Music, 1957, and Johnny Be Good." 1958. Berry refined and developed rhythm and blues into the major elements that made rock and roll distinctive, with lyrics successfully aimed to appeal to the early teenage market by using graphic and humorous descriptions of teen dances, fast cars, high school life, and consumer culture, and utilizing guitar solos and showmanship that would be a major influence on the subsequent rock music. Thus, Berry, the songwriter, according to critic John Perlees, invented rock as a music of teenage wishes fulfilled and good times, even with cops in pursuit. Berry contributed three things to rock music, an irresistible swagger, a focus on the guitar riff as the primary melodic element, and an emphasis on songwriting as storytelling. His records are a rich storehouse of the essential lyrical, showmanship, and musical components of rock and roll. In addition to the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, a large number of significant popular music performers have recorded Barry songs. Although not technically accomplished, his guitar style is distinctive. He incorporated electronic effects to mimic the sound of bottleneck blues guitarists and drew on the influence of guitar players such as Carl Hogan and T-Bone Walker to produce a clear and exciting sound that many later guitarists would acknowledge as an influence in their own style. Barry's showmanship has been influential on other rock guitarists, particularly his one-legged hop routine and the duck walk which he first used as a child when he walked stooping with full bended knees, with my back and head vertical under a table to retrieve a ball, and his family found it entertaining. He used it when performing in New York for the first time, and some journalists branded it the Duck Walk. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Golden Gems as we've uh, featured the life of Chuck Berry And we invite you to go to our webcast, goldengems.net, to hear more of Chuck Berry's music.
0: Thanks for being with us today. We hope you're having as much enjoyment as we are reliving some of the unforgettable memories of the golden days of radio. To learn more about the career of today's artists and listen, to several of their greatest hits we invite you to go to our website www.goldengems.net may we also encourage you to tell your friends about the show we'd love to have them join us in these little trips down memory lane and as always we invite your feedback or comments on golden gems radio at gmail.com so until next episode this is Dave and Bill Heading back into the archives to dust off some more unforgettable memories to share with you on Golden Gems.